My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Thursday the 27th of July. I'm Sam Kozlowski. I'm Zara Seidler. Protests and strikes have continued in Israel this week in response to legal reforms that will limit the powers of its Supreme Court. You can hear the anger on the streets. The vote in the Israeli parliament just taking place. The reform passed despite fierce opposition, both in the parliament and in the street. So what will these changes mean and what's led to this point? We'll let you know in today's deep dive. But first, Zara, we had some new inflation figures yesterday. Inflation appears to be slowing, according to the latest inflation figures, with a 6% rise in prices in the 12 months to June. New data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics found prices from April to June rose 0.8%, the lowest increase in almost two years. The data comes a week from the Reserve Bank's next meeting, with the board set to discuss changes to the national cash rate. A criminal defence lawyer has been shot outside his Sydney home following a spate of recent alleged organised crime incidents across the city. Mahmoud Abbas was attacked on Wednesday morning by an unknown person in Greenacre, the same suburb where three people were shot in their cars on Sunday. Abbas was taken to hospital in a serious but stable condition. The Australian Federal Court has fined social media company Meta $20 million for breaches of consumer law. Two $10 million penalties were handed to two subsidiaries of Meta, which owns Facebook, Instagram, and more recently, Threads. The court found the subsidiaries failed to disclose that personal data would be shared with Meta rather than just the subsidiaries. And today's good news, Louise Taylor has become Australia's first female First Nations Supreme Court judge. Taylor, who is a Camilleroy woman, was appointed to the ACT Supreme Court on Tuesday as the Territory's sixth judge. On Tuesday, we woke up to the news that a highly controversial bill to limit the powers of Israel's Supreme Court had passed Parliament. The passing of the bill led to protests and strikes, which threatened to bring the whole country to a standstill. It really did. And I think the images and the videos that we've seen out of Israel are quite remarkable. And Mm. I think often when we're talking about foreign governments and we're talking about the political systems and here the judicial systems that operate in other countries, we sometimes need to take a couple steps back to actually understand the root of the issue. So can you just take me through what I need to know about how the government and the Supreme Court actually works in Israel? So Israel's government is formed by whoever controls its single chamber of parliament. So it's different to Australia where we've got an upper house and a lower house. In Israel, there's just one house and it's called the Knesset. Usually a government is formed by an alliance of parties and it's led by a prime minister. Israel does also have a Supreme Court which can review and strike down laws. And that's similar to the US Supreme Court in the way it functions. One of the key things to remember here is that the Knesset has less limitations on it than we're used to here in Australia. And that's really for a few reasons. Firstly, Israel doesn't have a constitution to definitively set out the Knesset's powers. 
And then if we think about in an Australian context, we have a constitution which can only be changed by a referendum, which we're going to be asked to do later this year. But in Israel, the governing structures and individual rights are set out by laws called the basic laws. So they're kind of pseudo-constitutional laws, but the Knesset can change them. The other thing to remember is that point about there only being one house of the Knesset. And that means there's no Senate like we have here in Australia, which acts as an extra step to passing legislation. Now, since the 90s, when there was an update to the basic laws, the Supreme Court has assumed a more active role in reviewing and sometimes even striking down laws deemed to violate those basic laws. So basically what a Senate would do in another situation. Exactly. And that has drawn anger from conservatives who have formed a belief that judges are biased against them. You just touched on the political context at the end there by mentioning the conservatives Mm. and I mean, for someone that is watching Israel from afar, it is very difficult to keep track of who is in power because there have been a number of leadership shifts over the last couple of years. The current prime minister is Benjamin Netanyahu, and he is the leader of the government. What do we need to know about him? So Netanyahu is a right-wing leader, and while he's previously governed in alliance with centre parties, this current alliance he's formed includes far-right extremists. Just take me through what you mean by alliance there. So remember I said before that the Knesset is controlled by a coalition Mm -hmm. and the head of that coalition is the prime minister. Mm -hmm. Because of how splintered Israel's political landscape is, Mm -hmm. it often takes, you know, five, six, even seven parties to make a coalition. Not like the coalition we have here in Australia of just... Just two. Yeah. So the makeup of that coalition really does impact the politics of the day. Okay, and so what you're saying is this current coalition or this current alliance swings more to the right. Exactly, and it's a fairly new composition of an Israeli parliament. It was established after the re-election of Netanyahu as prime minister only last year. So for context, this is Netanyahu's sixth time in the role of prime minister. But in the last few years, you know, at the end of Netanyahu's 12-year term in 2021, then an election and Netanyahu's return to power in 2022, there's been a particularly unstable climate in Israeli politics. Netanyahu ended his time as prime minister after two years of political deadlock, and the government that replaced him struggled to form a coalition and was then forced to dissolve after less than a year in power. I feel like we could dedicate a whole podcast to talking about that. It is so complex, and we know that Israelis went to the ballot box so many times in such a short period of time, but it all led to Netanyahu then being re-elected, right? It, it takes the idea of a hung parliament to a whole nother level. The other important thing to know about Netanyahu is that for the last few years, he has been working through the justice system himself, facing charges of corruption. Tonight, Israeli leader Benjamin Netanyahu is facing the fight of his political life as his corruption trial gets underway. His reinstatement to office and a number of key early policies have led to an escalation of tension between conservatives and the Supreme Court. Now, in particular, the Supreme Court has opposed policies like the expansion into Palestinian occupied territories and military service exemptions for ultra-Orthodox Jewish Israelis. You mentioned that there were some tensions between conservatives and the judiciary. What do those tensions actually look like? When Netanyahu formed his government, he and his justice minister proposed effectively eliminating the court's review powers. They proposed changes which would allow the Knesset to pass laws without having them reviewed by the court. They also wanted the government to have control over Supreme Court appointments and proposed limits on the Supreme Court's ability to remove a PM. 
Okay, so those were the proposals that were introduced when Netanyahu was re-elected last year. How were those proposals received at the time? There was some really vocal opposition to the move. There was an argument from critics that the proposed legislation would remove the checks and balances currently in place in the Israeli court system. And essentially a fear that there could be absolute power handed to the government of the day that would jeopardise the rights of individuals. That's where we saw some vision of mass protests back around the kind of March-April period, especially in Tel Aviv, which is one of Israel's largest cities. Protesters blocked roads and scuffled with police in Tel Aviv on Wednesday morning, incensed by a controversial plan to overhaul the Israeli judicial system. Protesters were calling for the planned reforms to be scrapped and for Netanyahu to resign, a call supported by his political rivals, but also from some top officials in military spaces, medical spaces, legal systems, and in business. At one point, Israel's economy minister said that while the reform was necessary, it shouldn't come at the price of civil war. After a period of unrest which saw the shekel, which is the Israeli currency, falter, Netanyahu put a pause on this push for reform up until this week. So that brings us to now then. Why are we talking about it today? Well, there was a version of those original reforms that passed this week, Mm -hmm. and it was only part of the reforms that the government initially proposed, but still enough to concern some Israeli people. It's being called the Reasonableness Bill because it limits the Supreme Court's ability to void decisions it considers unreasonable. The bill was put to Parliament and it passed 64 to 0. Really? Well, it's not quite what it seems. The Knesset needs a majority of 61 to pass legislation. But many opposition MPs walked out of the session in protest and declined to vote, with some shouting for shame as they left the chamber. In an address, Netanyahu said this was not the end of democracy and that the courts would remain independent. There was obviously a lot of heat in parliament. I mean, there is in many parliaments. But what's been remarkable has been the number of protesters that have actually taken to the streets in response to this legislation. We're talking hundreds of thousands here who took to the streets across the country after the bill passed. Police dispelled crowds with water cannons and gas, and there have been arrests made. Doctors went on strike, with the Israeli Medical Association saying judicial overhaul would, quote, devastate the healthcare system. The White House Press Secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, said the reform was unfortunate. Okay, so clearly there is some discontent here. What happens next? I don't think anyone really knows for sure, but there are some more steps in this judicial reform due to be voted on in the coming months. Although Netanyahu said he is open to compromise and some delays to those other elements of the reforms. And just a refresher, those are things like giving the Knesset the ability to have more control over who becomes a Supreme Court judge. It'll be really interesting to see if the sheer volume of protesters hitting the streets actually moves the course of judicial reform that's planned for the next few months, or if indeed the agenda will go ahead. Thanks for joining us today on The Daily Oz. If you enjoyed what you listened to, please let us know by leaving us a review on Spotify. We have absolutely loved reading your feedback. If you are on Spotify, you can just leave a message in that little question box and that's how we know how to shape the rest of the week's content. Have a great day.